idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. And my name is Tony, and I live in the northwest of England. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest. We love checking distros out. New distros, new versions of older distros, and maybe even some old distros we've missed. I have my preferences, and Tony has his. Perhaps together we can find some common ground to share with you. The idea of the podcast is that we each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three to four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials, tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. I like to find distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we'll also divulge what hardware we're using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest, Episode 4, recorded on 31st July 2019. For this show, Tony is reviewing Debian Buster, and I am reviewing Farron OS and roaming all over the place on my new laptop. We'd like to hear from you what you'd like to see us take on, be it Debian, Red Hat, Arch, Suzy, Mandriva, Slackware, or Gentoo-based distros. So, Tony, how are things on your side of the pond? Aye, it's not too bad today. Uh, a bit cloudy and overcast, but yesterday it was a bit of a monsoon, so uh, the weather's improved somewhat than it was yesterday. I got soaked. Yeah, we've had temperatures in the 90s Fahrenheit until yesterday, and it's dropped back down in the 70s and 80s, and a bit of threats of rain, but not much. Yeah, well, that that's a bit more. It's a bit more comfortable in here at the moment than it was last week. It was uh, it was in the eighties and nineties last week, so uh, it's cooled down and there's no not as much humidity in the air today. Cool. On to this month's ramble: my adventures in laptop land and Farron OS. Okay, Farron OS and other travails. My hardware, I run a Lenovo ThinkPad T430 with 8GB of RAM and a 500GB hard drive with Intel chips. And I just purchased a Lenovo IdeaPad 110-15ACL-80TJ with 4 gigs of RAM and a 500GB hard drive and AMD chips, each of which I keep partitioned into four partitions, each with its own distro, with an external hard drive for my data and backups. I'm going to do things a bit differently this month and try to go through what I went through with my old and new computers with setup and installation. I have begun to worry that I'm underqualified to be a host for this show as I only seem to be able to get Debian slash Ubuntu based distros to work plus a few outliers, have zero interest in Arch or Red Hat and have some really limited viewpoints. But on the other hand, new users are more likely to relate to my experiences than they are to those of other shows, super experienced users, as I go for distros which would be welcomed by new users. I should also comment that we've had some really positive feedback on some of the groups, so maybe people like me more than I do. Tony? Yeah, I think this is a difficult one. I'm I'm a bit like yourself. I uh, don't always feel that I've got loads and loads of knowledge about Linux but you know I've been playing with Linux for the last 12 years and it's amazing how much you pick up without realizing you're picking it up 
you kind of soak it up through the pores as you talk to different people in the community. So, um, as you say, you know, being a little less technical brings a different viewpoint about Linux uh, than someone who's maybe working on the back of the end of a server every day and runs Linux as the daily driver. They can understand the nitty-gritty of how the kernel works, but on the other side of the street, we're still looking at the same street, but from a different vantage point, so to speak. So we bring a different perspective, really. Okay, well, this month I really had wanted to review Open Mandriva LX4, I have loved Mandrake slash Mandriva in the past, and Open Mandriva LX 3.03 was so close to perfect that I was salivating waiting for 4 to go stable. So I attempted to install Open Mandriva LX 4 on my T430, but it locked up when I set my external display, a 32-inch Magnavox TV connected as a VGA monitor. The mouse pointer was not frozen, but everything else was, and I only had a black background. I installed it successfully without using the external monitor, which was very hard on my eyes, and then switched displays and it locked up the same way again. I reported the bug. Much more recently, I received a mini display port to HDMI adapter cable needed to send HD output on a T430 and tried to install it again. This time I got the pretty wallpaper and the mouse cursor. So I still have not successfully installed and used Open Mandriva LX4 on my T430. I looked at Farron OS Next some and decided it wasn't what I was looking for, and after reporting a few things to the developer, I went with KDE Neon 18.04, but I'll get into that later. So on to business, and Farron OS with the standard Cinnamon desktop. I will first talk about my installation experience on the ThinkPad T430. In 2016, Farron OS had a new trick, a program called Themer, which could, with a couple of mouse clicks, change your entire desktop to resemble whatever you wanted it to, from various Windows desktops to Mac OS to any of dozens of Linux desktops, all within Cinnamon and with a solid Linux Mint base. In 2017, it was changed. The Linux Mint base was dropped for Ubuntu GNOME, and it just wasn't the same. Oddly, the Wikipedia page for Farron OS did not describe the Ubuntu period. In 2019, they reverted to Linux Mint and Cinnamon. Calamaris Installer has a bug I had earlier discovered in OpenMandriva LX4 and have reported to the Calamaris team. When you try to install over an existing partition, it formats that partition and creates a new one, and then creates an imaginary partition of the same size and has trouble deciding which one to write your installation to. I've got a figure of this uh, in the show notes. The blue and gray partitions shown are exactly the same size, and both replace the blue partition in the before shot, all other partitions being identical. The first time I did this, I allowed Calamaris to ignore the imaginary partition if it would, and write itself to the correct area. Things did not go so well. It appeared to be installing parts of the operating system to the correct drive while dropping chunks into the imaginary partition. This happened to me with OpenMandriva LX4 as well, although the bug was not in OM3, so I was kind of expecting it to happen. I just wanted to see. So I had to do it again and use manual partitioning. You check something else when prompted which partition to use. Installation went well after that. After installation, I tried to load additional software and was informed that the Mint Store was not installed. Okay, that gets installed by running updates. But the Farron OS repositories were not to be found. I contacted the developer and he pointed out that the bug had been reported and gave me the fix for it. This distro uses Vivaldi as its default browser. 
which is a security-based version of Chromium. I am not fond of Google of late, so I installed Firefox and reminded myself to delete all instances of Chromium from my lists of things to do. I usually do that for LibreOffice anyhow, since I use SoftMaker Office. It's just sudo apt remove dash dash purge and the name of the program with an asterisk at the end. I got Molvat and the printer installed without any problems. I then made sure I had Audacity, Mumble, and HexChat. Smooth as silk. I'm not a Cinnamon fan, and this distro depends on Cinnamon to do a special theming trick, which is the main feature of Farron over Linux Mint. Farron OS Next is an attempt to substitute KDE Plasma 5 to do the theming. On day two, I tried to run Stacer and couldn't find it. I went and got the old edition, 1.0.9, and it installed over 1.1.0, then informed me there was an update. I installed the update just to see what would happen, and once again could not run Stacer. It turns out to be a known bug with Stacer 1.1.0, versions 1.0.9, and earlier work fine. For those of you who don't know, Stacer is a really good graphical program for showing you your system resources and uses and gives you a whole lot of tools. Actually, a few too many. I've known to mess up a system once and once again, uh, every now and then, with uh, by trying to uninstall things I didn't think I was using. <laughs> I did check out the accessibility controls as suggested by a listener. The high contrast works well, although the icons are considerably different. The zoom feature sets a static zoom level rather than letting that be adjustable, and the scroll feature works well. In terms of updating, I found that the update manager defaults to automatic updates. This gets in my way as I've learned over the years to do my updating in terminal. Automatic updates sees control of all apt usage until they're complete resulting in gobs of error messages and feeling like you're back using Windows. Incidentally, it overrides if you open the Update Manager because it's already busy uh, with apt in the uh, automatic updates. Turning it off is easy. You can find that information on many sites on the Internet. After a few chats with the Farron OS dev in Telegram, I decided to reinstall Farron OS yet again, still on my T430. Installation went smoothly after selecting Manual Partitioning, I then installed restricted codecs, chose a layout with a panel clock, and was good to go. So my third installation went the way my first should have. There is a nice selection of other layouts to choose from, Windows XP, Windows 7-8, Windows 10, Mac OS, or Linux Mint layout with more available later. You can check light or dark and pick a desktop background color, then select whether to enable default or disable animations. And then you get the thank you for choosing Farron OS page and click the enjoy button. I then set my displays, did my updates, and ran into a, the bug of not being able to update. I then went to attempt to fix the update bug according to the instructions I had received from the developer. The fix worked. Updates are installed. There seem to be quite a few QT slash KDE 5 programs being installed now, which brings into question why Cinnamon? And the answer turns out to be because he's getting set up for Farron OS next which uses Plasma. Then I went to install my usual software and my printer. There are also extensive keyboard shortcuts included, and you can configure them to your heart's desire. When running TimeShift, I noticed that TimeShift reported the distro as being Ubuntu 18.04 Bionic, not Linux Mint Tessa. That was a little curious. My Linux Mint Tessa reports correctly. After installation and before configuring my applications, I had to log out and back in before the menus would work. And a new issue. I got everything installed and backed up, 
rebooted, and I get the black screen with the message, unable to launch Cinnamon Session Cinnamon, X Session. Cinnamon Session Cinnamon not found, falling back to default session, whereupon nothing happens. I had to do a cold boot. I then used Time Shift to reset the machine to what it was before running updates. Thanks to Oliver Kelly for putting up with me. I was in pretty bad shape during this. I get thrown off easily. Now I have everything installed and booting and another time shift. RAM reports at 717 meg- mil- megabytes MIB. The disk is 8.3 gigabytes. The boot time is 55 seconds, and the disk stops turning at about a minute 10. The boot down is 12 seconds. Themes are easy to install at installation time, but trying to figure out how to do them later may be a huge headache, or I'm simply not smart enough to figure it out. I felt like I was banging my head on a brick wall when I was in the theme window. July 5th on the T430, I copied my Kodi home directory from Linux Mint and reauthorized Tracked and Reel to Brid. Kodi is good to go in minutes. All five of my games were found in Synaptic and installed with zero issues. On July 6th, Cody is working fine. Indeed, everything is except Telegram Desktop. I got into chat with the Farron OS dev again, and he was astonished to learn that the version he has in the repo is several versions old and gave me the address for the newest version and updated his repos. I purged the old one, installed the new one. I was told by some nanny feature that I should install the older one due to support issues. It works. At this point, only Audacity and Mumble have not been configured. I don't think I even got around to configuring Mumble on that one, but I could do that at any time. We just changed our Mumble server recently. July 13th. This is the second time I've tried to mess with themes. Roadblock after roadblock. The default theme appears to be Windows 7, which is interesting. I had no idea I hated that menu system so much. But the standard Mint menus are much easier to navigate, which in Win 7 theme I can get to just by hitting All Applications. So I managed, after much struggle, to get the basic desktop back to Mint or something like it. But I downloaded a theme to get the menus a tad different, and the app can't find the downloaded theme to load no matter what I do and won't apply it. So I'm still stuck with a base theme, just a base Mint theme. I'm good with that, but the whole raison d'etre of this distro appears to be theming the desktop. I'm sure there's something really, really simple that any normal person would have automatically done to make this work. But a few years ago, it worked with just a couple mouse clicks, period. Actually, there are some simple ways to change your theme, but unlike the earlier version of Farron, you probably would not get lucky and choose the right thing. I guess I need a screenshot of this screen. All right, in the show notes, I have a screenshot of Stacer showing my Farron resource usage on the T430. At this point, I was comfortable enough with the setup of the T430 and decided to begin setup on my new laptop. I had sold some old computer equipment and bought a cheap laptop, a Lenovo IdeaPad 110-15ACL, with all AMD chips. I'm looking at you, Michael Tunnell. I wiped Windows 10, set up the hard drive to disable secure boot and use legacy boot, which I've been told later is not a step I had to take. I'm just used to the old days when a lot of the Linux distros just wouldn't use UEFI and installed Linux Mint 19.1 on it, creating SDA1. Then I divided the drive in half and installed Farron OS on SDA2. I then divided that drive in half and installed OpenMandriva LX4 on SDA3. I just had to try. This time I got a complete installation, but when I rebooted, there was no boot. Waiting for a disk to show up. 
My best guess is that it wrote the boot to a sector not in use or not recognized, or maybe it tried to write a UEFI boot and I didn't have anything else in UEFI. I tried installing it again with the same result. So to prove the partition itself was good, I installed Farin OS Next, which is about the same thing as Farin OS, but with a Plasma desktop on SDA3. That worked. I then went for SDA4, dividing the Linux Mint partition and creating an extended partition, SDA4, and a partition on it, SDA5, and put my much-loved Bode 5 on the new partition. After playing a bit with Farin OS Next, I decided I didn't like the desktop experience it provided, and as I wanted something KDE on that partition, I installed KDE Neon 1804. Everything is just fine now. The installation of Farin OS went much more smoothly on the IdeaPad. Remember, this is the third time I've installed it this month, although the first time on this machine, so if it didn't go smoothly, there would have to be something wrong with me. There were no further issues to report. Ease of finding help. As you can contact the developer directly via a number of Telegram groups or through his GitLab reporting system, although sometimes it looks like he's using GitLab and other times he's using GitHub, the lack of a large community is a minor issue. He was always friendly and helpful, even when I had a strong disagreement with his choices, and he asked me what I would rather see instead of get offended. This was especially true in the case of Farron OS Next, where I found the desktop to be an ugly combination of Windows and KDE 4, and he just asked me for suggestions on what he could do better. Play is nice with others. Grub Customizer is available via PPA and helps make this distro an easy co-resident with others. Stability. Other than occasional issues reaching the repos, this is as stable as Linux Mint or Ubuntu. The Farron OS dev is on top of the issues nearly all the time and is reachable via many telegram groups. I would suggest setting up on linuxquestions.org, as Bodhi has done successfully. Similar distros to check out. Well, this is Linux Mint Cinnamon Plus, and you can probably do the same things with that distro if you work at it hard enough. Ratings. Ease of installation. New user-friendly install scores, 6 out of 10. I had to work at it too much. Experienced Linux users, 7 out of 10. You'll be able to get through it. You'll get it there, but you'll wonder why, if it's just Linux Mint, it takes so much extra work. Hardware issues, 9 out of 10. Ease of finding help, 9 out of 10 if you know where to reach a developer. Ease of use, 6 out of 10. Plays nice with others, 9 out of 10. Stability, 9 out of 10. Final comments. This distro has been better and will probably be better again. The developer is a community wonderkind who is extremely motivated to get this done right. Some theming things, if you stumble across the right buttons, are easy to do, but you should expect to find a lot of you-didn't-do-that-right type messages. Is there a tutorial on using the theming engine? Honestly, I haven't looked. But the developer is young and motivated and has kept this distro going for several years already. It should just keep getting better. Tony, have you had any experience with Ferran OS? No, I've not really played with Ferran OS. I did uh, have a play with a, an ISO in a live environment just to have a look at it. But like you've said during your uh, kind of review of it, if it's mint, basically, uh, for me, the stock install of mint works really well and I can't see a use case for me. So it doesn't really, to, to tell you the truth, it doesn't really interest me. So, you know, I've got to be honest. But, you know, he does put a lot of work into it. And like you say, he is open to comments. So all kudos to him for that. 
Okay, well, let's get on to Tony's distro. Okay, so uh, this month I've been uh, testing the new release of Debian, or Debian. I keep getting told off. I I should call it Debian, Uh, but I got into the habit of calling it Debian when I first started before I knew the history about the name. Well, her name was (laughs) not DB, so you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I have to try and uh, change my muscle memory when I'm talking about Debian. But it's Debian Buster, which is uh, Debian 10. So just for information, uh, this month's installation was done on my one of my little Toshiba Portage Z30s, uh, the specification of which is a Core i5-4210U. Uh, with two cores and four threads running between 1.7 and 2.7 gigahertz. It's got a 128 gigabyte M2 SSD and it's got 8 giga RAM DDR3. So the first issue that I came up across was finding the correct uh, installation ISO. They do uh, several live installation ISOs, but they're based on the free... uh, iteration of uh, Debian so don't come with all the dri- uh, you know the proprietary drivers you may need so I de- initially I downloaded the um, Marte uh, version of the live ISO and when I booted up into the live environment it wouldn't um, recognize my Wi-Fi card um, so I had to go hunting around and I eventually found the download page for the non-free ISO but unfortunately at the moment they don't have the non-free ISO available in the live iteration so I had to download the uh, full version. Also negotiating how to find ISOs and things like that both on the official wiki and the non-official areas where you can find the ISOs is a little bit tricky um well that's a different slightly different issue also another disadvantage of using the non-free is you don't get the calamaris installer you only get the traditional debian installer which is a little bit more tricky for new users but anyway i'll come on to that later so despite these issues installation once i'd got the correct iso went smoothly at the boot screen you get an option to pick a voice guided install so for those with visual problems there is the ability to install Debian through uh, voice control however uh, it doesn't pick that up as soon as you put the disk in you have to actually choose that and it's the bottom of the choices of the way to install so you would need a little bit of um, someone with uh, uh, who's sighted to start the process off for you before you could start doing it yourself so that's a little bit of a bug if if they want to make it easy for people with uh, visual problems uh, able to use the installer once you get the install you get the opportunity to uh, pick a, a language and then uh, your keyboard layout there's quite a lot of languages uh, so uh, obviously uh, Debian can be used by uh, a lot of folk that English isn't the first language and once you've done that you uh, get the option to um, select your Wi-Fi and on the non-free version my Wi-Fi was detected and I was able to connect to my network Um, 
then the process uh, of selecting a desktop environment and a few other software choices such as um, was it a server install or a desktop install and I'd chosen to uh, install the Marty desktop and after a few more tick boxes the installation started. Um, one thing to note is uh, I actually left the install to get on with it because I'm used to being able to do that most of the time and it just go, runs through and you come back and it says ready to reboot. Uh, but unfortunately there needed to be a couple of things um, ticked as far as where to put grub. So when I came back it installed at the grub section. And so you might need to keep an eye on it if you know if you need to go off and do something else is remember that you're going to have to come back and uh, finish the install off manually before it will complete tony i've had a lot of issues with boots recent with installs recently where in the middle of the installation there's something it needs you to make a choice on yeah that's a backward step for me because linux was one of those things that in the past i, I could just click it Set it to install, it'd install, you'd come back and it'd say, do you want to restart or stay in the live in uh, installation? I can and hear Ron Popeil saying, set it and forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, in some cases, that's no longer what you can do. But uh, hey, oh, hopefully that might get picked up and someone will do something about it. Another thing that has gotten me is how, how come they still have the timing out on the screen uh you you think during installation they'd want to keep your screen on but they yeah that's they also another issue yeah yeah i agree with you okay so after the installation first thing to notice that everything worked hardware wise including wi-fi which is it had all worked during the install it's not a surprise and over the last few weeks before recording the show i haven't seen any issues with the laptop as far as hardware is concerned one software issue is the advanced mate menu with the ability to toggle between favorites and, applica and all applications uh, categories is not there by default and it doesn't have uh, the menu that is provided doesn't have the search option so I'm accustomed uh, with Mint 19.1 mate uh, having the advanced mate menu um, so along with the workflow software, I had to install it and add uh, this to the taskbar. Luckily, I was able to find it in Debian. I've uh, recently installed other so uh, another OS and I wasn't able to f uh, find the advanced mate menu at all. I can hear the people out there going, that's mate, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm English, it's mate. <laughs> And if you're Aussie, it's might. <laughs> it is. So anyway, I installed this and added it to the taskbar. To me, the taskbars by default are positioned the wrong way uh, as uh, the taskbar that has the uh, menu on it is at the top of the screen and the other taskbar that has the different uh, virtual desktop environments is at the bottom. So I switch them around because I'm a tr an old traditionalist and Windows 95, 98 workflow still works for me. So anyway, once I'd done that, I was happy. So apart from these few niggles and uh, installing my regular software to make uh, podcasting on the PC possible, so Audacity, Mumble, all those kind of things, uh, which aren't necessarily installed by default, 
once I'd got them in, done the usual updates, everything was fine uh, from first boot. One thing to note that if you set up a root account during install, your user account is not given pseudo privileges. I do believe you can go in and set it, but it wasn't a major issue for me because I'd set up a root uh, account and root password, so I just dropped into uh, into root when I needed to do anything or use the root password when I need to do anything with password privileges. Ease of use. So I've spent most of my Linux life uh, for the last 12 years on Debian based distros. Debian is very easy to use as an OS. Uh, as I said, the installer for the ISO, uh, for the ISO uh, I used is not the most friendly, but you can choose to install it from one of the live ISOs available. The Calamaris installer is now available on that, and that will be a more friendly experience. But Debian has all the software packages and package management and software installation that I'm used to with uh, other Debian-based uh, OSs, so there's no problems there. Also, you do it as you'd expect, no issues with dropping into the terminal as everything's an app command, which I'm very familiar with. You will notice that most of the software is behind the current release uh, from the software maintainers as Debian uh, closes the ISO to new software at a fairly early stage. And once the release has been frozen, the only updates will be to correct bugs or for security updates. This means that the current install of Audacity is still on the 2.2 branch and LibreOffice is 6.1.52. So while the current uh, depth uh, from the Document Foundation is currently on 6.2.5, but unless you want to risk destabilizing the install, which has been built to be used with the packages installed or available in the Debian repository, you're already running outdated software. If it's an issue, then Debian's probably not the Linux you should be considering. So I've put a screenshot in the uh, show notes which uh, shows you what resources are being used at um, first boot and if you're looking at that image you can see that first boot is around between 500 and 730 me uh, med depending on which utility you trust um, but uh, for a modern system this is not excessive and I was running a terminal and system monitor when taking the screenshots Boot time from pressing the power key to working system, even with input in username and password, is a respectable 30 seconds. So that's fantastic. Obviously, I've got decent hardware, and with all my, uh, as with all my mobile systems, I installed TO, the TLP utility uh, shortly after I install it, and this is to manage battery life. And in Debian 10, the uh, Eagle, the battery monitor shows the laptop. At as having a whopping 15 hours remaining at 100% uh, battery, which I thought was quite impressive. In reality, in real use, uh, this reduces to around about the 7 to 8 hour mark with general use, but it still makes the uh, laptop an all-day machine for using on the go. Uh, and it's around about 1 to 2 hours more of actually of active battery life than uh, with some other Linux distributions I've used on this hardware. That's a lot better than that idea pad. It has a little three cell battery that's 
says it's good for three hours, but since it's not a brand new machine, it's really only been running about two. Yeah, the the the, uh, the little Toshiba is a really really nice machine and uh, runs really well. And like I say, it's got pretty good battery life, and uh, which is not surprising because it was designed as a rare business machine where people wanted as much battery life as possible. But uh, Debian certainly does improve that slightly. So as far as ease of finding help. Well, as you can expect uh, with Debian, the wiki's got loads of information, but it's a really outdated website compared with uh, many uh, modern support sites. But as there's so many other distros based on Debian, if you search the web for solutions uh, your, uh, for your issues or just for general if information, there's loads of information out there. So you won't have any problem finding help but please Debian can you try and update the website it's horrible <laughs> and I'm not the only one who says that uh, does it play nice with others uh, well I think this greatly depends on the installer you're using uh, I didn't actually do a dual boot uh, install of this particular OS so I can't really uh, comment but if you're using Calamaris then I would imagine it shouldn't be much of an issue uh, maybe you could jump in here, Moss, and say what your experience. Well, it's Debian, so you can't install a PPA. Uh, so Grub Customizer is out of the question. So you're going to have to learn to edit Grub yourself. And that's not an easy thing for a newer user. Yeah, but as far as Calamaris as an installer, you should oh, be Calamaris okay with your Calamaris is great. I love Calamaris. It still has some bugs, but... Uh... Yeah. Moving on to stability. Um all I've put in the show notes is it's as solid as a mountain because it is. I have not had any stability issues with it since I installed it. It's Debian. What it. do you expect? Correct. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. That's why so many other distros use it as their base distro. So, ratings. Uh, east of installation, uh, new users friendly. I've given it 4 out of 10 because... Um, because of the fact that depending on which particular ISO you use uh, you, and the fact that it is difficult to find the, the non-free ISO unless you know where you're looking uh, to just actually getting hold of a, an ISO that works uh, might be a bit of a nightmare for a new user. Experienced Linux users, uh, if you again, if you're going for non-free, then you're not you're getting the traditional Debian installer, and that's not always as easy to work with. Hardware issues, not a problem. I've just given it a straight 9 out of 10, basically, because uh, I go with Mossy's philosophy of nothing's perfect. Ease of finding help, again, 9 out of 10. Ease of use, I've given that 9.5, because, like I say, I'm really familiar with Debian-based distros, and I don't have any problems with it. Uh, plays nice with others, like I say, I didn't particularly test it this time, but uh, as Moss has pointed out, there are a few issues that might make it a little bit more difficult if you want to do a dual boot and to play around with grub settings and things. Stability, 9.5 out of 10. So if you're looking for similar distros to check out, Linux Mint, uh, Debian edition, which I uh, recently uh, reviewed, uh, it's a great dist uh, distribution and it comes with all the bells and whistles that Mint put on top. 
and they'll obviously in the in the next few months they'll be looking to update uh, Linux Mint Debian edition to the current Buster release. Deep in MX and Anti-X. And you have to remember with MX and Anti-X that uh, they do not run System D default. That's true. Um, so there'll be a few issues with that. And uh, I think it's Snap that requires System D, isn't it? It work? is. And also, I would say because of that, Devuan is a distro to check out. Okay. And then, of course, all the uh, Debian based. Um, other distros that are out there, particularly all the Ubuntu flavors and basically anything that's Debian based, and there's loads of those out there. If you go to DistroWatch uh, and type, you know, looking for distros that are Debian based, you'll find hundreds of them. So, final comments. Um, my thoughts when I think of Debian 10 is that it's a little bit like black coffee of distros. Black coffee, depending on your personal preference, can be a, uh, something that's brilliant or very bland. But all coffee starts this way. Uh, you add in a bit of uh, flavour and frothy milk and you get something uh, completely different. And this is what I think Debian or Debian is. Uh, it's the base for a lot of very, very good distri distributions. And without Debian, then... I think the Linux community would be a sadder place because a lot of us rely on it, even though we don't necessarily run it as our daily driver. Go on, Moss. Can you think of uh, Linux Mint based on Arch? Uh, I, <laughs> I think it might be difficult. It might be, yes. <laughs> well, put it this way. When Linux Mint uh, Debian Edition used to be based on uh, SID and was a rolling release i think the uh, mint uh, the mint developers suddenly uh, quite quickly realized it was creating more problems than it was worth and that's why they were reverted back to the stable branch um, so i think arch might be a bit too much of a a jump for mint to move to uh, but it but if you do want rock solid workhorse that isn't going to change dramatically over the next two to three years and you you need a stable environment go with debian you will not miss it you know you will not uh, feel that you've missed out on something if you uh, want the latest cutting edge software then i would suggest going and looking for something a little bit more that updates a little bit more often and uh, going and looking for one of the ubuntu flavors or one of the other uh, debian based distributions uh, underlying but uh, has a faster turnaround time as far as installing new software anything you'd like to add to that Moss? Well as you said Debian is what everything's based on but uh, most people are not happy with just Debian uh, it feels like you've got a really good system it's never going to break but you're in a straitjacket yeah and, and and especially for podcasters and people like that that maybe need some of the uh, new um things that are coming out in say audacity or uh, other software that they use for editing either video or audio or whatever uh, things progress quite quickly in the linux world so if you're using debian and you're using the stock um 
package management system, you're not going to get those those updates until the next release. Whereas uh, if you're using something else, and, uh, and I know some of that can be uh, negated by the use of snaps and flat packs, but uh, that uh, and that should protect your system from some of the stability issues. Uh, it's still not a perfect solution, so uh, you might want to consider a different uh, one. But I'm re I've been really happy with the and. and I've got to say, this time, I have literally used this laptop for virtually three out of the last four weeks. Uh, it went away on my holiday with me, and it's come here to Woodbrook, where I'm currently at, with me. And I've been using it for the last uh, week and a half while I've been away. So, uh, I'm really happy with it. Okay, well, let's move on to new releases. New releases since our last show. Oh, there are a lot of them. Hardened BSD 12-12000059.2. Slackle 7.2 OpenBox. Deepin 15.11. Oracle Linux 8.0. BSD release OpenSense 19.7. Sparky Linux 5.8. Network Security Toolkit 30-11210. Univention Corporate Server 4.4-1, Proxmox 6.0 Virtual Environment, Q4OS 3.8, I'll have to check that one out, Farron OS 2019.07, which we just reported on, Clonezilla Live 2.6.2-15, Tails 3.15, FreeBSD 11.3, Debian Edu slash Scola Linux 10, Debian 10 Buster, just reported on, Hunix 15, Nutix 11.1, Magia 7, Project Trident 1906, Linux Kodachi 6.1, and Raspbian 2019-06-20. So, feedback. Um, we've had a feedback on the blog from Y. Lee, re-episode 3, um, and it says this is about Mossy's review of Bodhi last time. I believe Wiley is one of the developers. Decent, fair-minded review. As for the R uh, A AR and R issue, I modified the code to address the issues you note as well as added some minor improvements. You can try the new version if you wish. It is in our testing repo. I haven't noticed the taskbar issue, but we'll look into it. And I know there are various issues with multi-monitor setup. We are looking into some of them, but I'm unsure if they're all going to be addressed in time for our next release. So Moss responded. Well, I'm not really using multiple monitors, just an external. Anyhow, I love Bodhi. Right now, I wouldn't live without it. I should probably mention another bug or two on the forum. Great work. I don't tend to mess with uh, interim versions or betas or testings. Uh, you get it out on the on the solid release, and I'll look at it. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Announcements. Our next show will be recorded on August 28th, 2019. Visit our website at http colon slash slash distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com and follow us on MeWe, Discord, and Telegram at our Mintcast groups. And we can be contacted at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. Oh, we have our own Telegram group now. You can join that. 
If any of our listeners have suggestions for our music or transitions or which distros you'd like to see us try, please contact us. Before we go... We would like to thank all those who make this project possible, starting with Joshua Lowe and the Minkcast team for allowing us to use their Mumble server, archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program, Audacity, which we use for recording and editing the show, Joshua Lowe for work on our logo, all those who work in the teams which are creating, adapting and maintaining the Linux distros we have reviewed this episode. Mid-Air Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license. Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel, Richard Stolman for the GNU toolkits, and for all those who have worked behind the scenes on free and open source Libre software. And thanks to the rest of the Mintcast team for letting us use their Discord channel and lots of encouragement. We are deeply appreciative of the warm welcome we have received in many other Discord and Telegram channels. We shall be back next month. Thank all of you for listening. <laughs>